All right. Well, it's been a big couple of weeks for Inappropriate Earl. We've had uh, some interesting guests, one-time talent coordinator at the Comedy Store, the great Tommy Morris, two of the highest-rated episodes ever on Inappropriate Earl, uh, and the genesis for my character on the show Roast Battle. A lot of people ask me if uh, my character was based on Tommy Morris. I don't know what would give them that idea when my name on the show is Mommy Taurus, but a lot of people out there aren't too bright. So, uh, you know, but today in Red Band, Brian Red Band, he was a nice what they call tweener episode in between the four hour uh, Tommy Morris episode. Uh, part three coming, but we're going to get into r some real dark territory, if you know what I mean. And I mean dark. Uh, roots, Django and Chain, dark. Uh, but today we have one of the nicest dudes in LA comedy. And there ain't many in this fucking business. It's full of just jackals, palmers, bullshitters, real high high end Gary Gladhanders. Uh, but this guy's one of the young rising stars on the scene. You can see him at the comedy store hosting many nights and performing. You could see him Saturday nights at the Midnight Snack Comedy Show. He was in Montreal this year doing double duty on the goddamn Comedy Jam and the Jeff Ross Roast Invitational or whatever the hell they were calling that show. And he's uh, really going to be a big player in this business. Big. Put your dirty unproductive hands together for the one the only mr jeremiah Watkins. yeah get ready for your ratings to plummet hurl oh yeah this this <laughs> episode, following tommy and red band this episode's gonna be so poorly rated it's gonna get its own hour <laughs> on uh, spike tv they're gonna ask for parts half and <laughs> parts quarter so that's the podcast, guys. Thanks a Thanks lot. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Going catch Earl and I uh, every Tuesday at Roast Battle. And uh, catch Jeremiah uh, all over the place. Literally all over the place. Now, you are one of the young guns of comedy. How did you get your start? Got my start. I started off doing improv, actually, and then... I, I started doing stand-up. I was doing improv back in Kansas City. And then whenever I got to Los Angeles, this is the only podcast I feel like I can walk around while. Many people do. Yeah, they do. Tommy liked to anchor on the couch. The great Sam Hoger and I spent the whole podcast standing. Uh, inappropriate Earl first. Uh, Stephen Piercy, a singer from Rat, just chewed gum the whole time. Real good for the acoustics. <laughs> People are like, Earl, that was a great episode, but I think you need to adjust your levels. No, I need the guest to put the fucking gum out of his mouth. <laughs> Got some real pros on this podcast, Oh, yeah, girl. I get the, the best of the best who live within a mile. <laughs> Not easy, do you have your own podcast? Yeah, it's hard to get guests. What is it called? It's called The Building Years. And, and I do that with Justin Alexio, good buddy of mine who... Uh, met doing improv out here and, and we were both improvisers and stand-up comedians and yeah, we eventually formed a, a podcast. Earl's been on it. Yeah, he might be the worst co-host I've ever uh, been in the business with. <laughs> 
Earl's relationship with Justin on the podcast was hilarious because Justin, for that particular episode, it was mainly Earl and I talking and Justin would chime in every once in a while and Earl would just shoot him down every single time he chimed in. Well, he reminds me of a guy who went on the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson version, Mm -hmm. which is the only Tonight Show. And I forgot... Uh, this guest, old school comic like Don Rickles, uh, Dean Martin era, and he looked at Carson and goes, you ever feel like you're a brown pair of shoes on a tuxedo? That's Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy, though. Should quit the business, though. <laughs> the only industry that guy will be in is the food industry. Oh. Right now I'm turning into Jeff Ross and Hinchcliffe. I'm the best. <laughs> Just kidding. Tony, kill Tony every Monday night with Red Band. And, uh, I love that. <laughs> you tear people down and then you give them great plugs afterwards. But great guy, though. And you can yeah. actually see them every Monday at the Comedy Store. Yeah. Eric Oligny might shoot up the Comedy Store one night. Great set, Eric. Uh, Earl, I haven't gone up in three months. Don't care. Next one. Yeah. And the other guy we were talking about. I didn't want to mention his name because I think he listens. Listen. It's great. You know. That's what amazes me about you in this business is you're like so nice and so like, you know, almost have like a Gilligan from Gilligan's Island personality. <laughs> like everything's great. Montreal, we're all, you know, in various states of mind. And you're like, yeah, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only way I, I know how to handle it out here, man, because it's it's so there's so many ups and downs to this this business and it's so easy to get in a in a dark place real quick uh i mean you've been through it with at uh, the comedy store you know oh Just yeah your 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 ups and downs there and you know eventually getting past and all that stuff that's like a small example but you just have to stay positive. Otherwise uh, it's people don't want to work with somebody who's negative. That's what I feel like anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of, uh, I think people see us on stage and go, oh, wow, what fun this business is. <laughs> and uh, it's about as fun as getting an HIV uh, result. <laughs> you know, a lot of behind the scenes bullshit. And, you know, I approach it from a different way. Jeremiah approaches it and probably the way you should. But that's uh, why you're probably more successful than I am. Well, so. what's your approach? Uh, just to laugh it off through negativity. and <laughs> I mean, who would want to do the house racist character for more than two weeks? I've done it for two years now. <laughs> Everyone who's been my partner in that has left. Whitney was there for about eight, eight months, you know, and then... It's so much pressure. Dude, We're gonna it's get a lot of pressure for you to bring it every single week. Well, it's you have to, but you guys have pressure too. Like even and now, for those of you who don't know, roast battle Tuesday nights uh, about midnight. So plan on a one a.m. start. Uh, Thirty-seven undercards, and then uh, a main event, which is like going on last in a gang bang at that point. Uh, and Jeremiah is the leader of the Negro Wave. Which is crazy because you're like the whitest guy I know. Oh yeah, yeah. But you're you're the only one who could lead that uh, lead that section. I mean, I think people thought when uh, Jamar Neighbors, who was like Levar Burton black in Roots. I mean, <laughs> you can't get any blacker. 
if there was a the opposite of an albino, that's Jamar. Um, I mean, he's like the predator. He's like he stares at you. You think you're gonna have three dots on your chest? And he left the show, kind of. Yeah, he he comes back every once in a while to play. But he was like the leader, I guess, of the Negro Wave. Yeah, I I would say so for for a while. The the it, it's funny the how the the hater section has kind of evolved over the years with different people. There's been so many different incarnations of the Negro Wave. Yeah, I mean, I think when it first started, Jack Knight was in it. Yeah, Jack Knight, Valentina McCoy, uh, Keith Soul. Uh, we had uh, a girl for a little bit. Not that uh, clown girl. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. If she, if she was uh, at the Holocaust, I would have jumped into the ovens on my own. <laughs> oh, my God. She... And someone's telling her she's doing well. I don't know who that is. I'm assuming it might be Jamar because he's probably pounding her. But, you know, it ain't pretty. <laughs> She could turn the hottest room into an icicle. Well, the thing about the wave is what whenever people sometimes guest with us or whatever, they don't realize that you have to get off the stage just as fast as you get on the stage. You can't linger. Otherwise, the joke dies immediately because then it starts holding up the battle and then it's not accenting it. It's actually holding back the people who are battling. And you also it's amazing. I don't think people realize this about uh the wave, it, it's amazing timing. Like, you have to, like, if someone bombs, you got to get on that stage right away. Yeah. Or it does well, and you want to, like, accentuate the punchline, or, you know, uh, you just don't go, oh, let's go up there now. <laughs> you know, and you, there's like five of you. So you have to all five in unison, you know, get up there. Yeah. It was interesting in Montreal. So I'd worked with, with, Jesus Trejo, who did the wave with me in Montreal as well as Ed Larson, but the three of us had never worked together. So the way we did it in Montreal was whenever the joke would hit that we thought, I literally like tap them on the knees and then we'd go for it because there's no, there's no time to like look or anything. It's just, it's gotta be that quick where it's in an instant, especially when we're running upstairs, how it was in Montreal and we actually had to run up onto a stage. The The belly room is, is the most convenient place that we've done it for the wave just because it's like two steps and then we're on stage. Well, I mean, uh, Montreal was uh, just uh, a real yuck fest. <laughs> I mean, the show started at midnight. Everyone in there's industry, like the industry, not like some junior agent at, you know, Snooky Jones uh, management company. Oh, I used to be repped by that. Yeah, I was repped by the Bobby Ball agency. I, I was at one time too. Yeah, and then I—that's where Earl and I are at. I mean, I found better success uh, paying for the breakdowns and roughing it on my own. You know what's funny is they—they're—they're they're so unorganized. Not to talk crap on them, they're so unorganized. They still email me like I'm one of their clients, and I haven't been one of their clients in three years. I know the Bobby Ball Agency. You can catch their star <laughs> client in a non-union student commercial. Those <laughs> real Palmers. Uh, but I mean, Montreal was fun. A lot of pressure though. 
A lot of pressure. I mean, literally every, for those of you who don't know about the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival is, every big agent, manager, you know, anyone, producer, director, it has anything to do with comedy is there. I would say for for people who aren't familiar with it, maybe, would you agree with this is like the Oscars for comedy? Kind yeah. Of? It's like the right? Super it's like Bowl. Every, yeah, it's like, it's like everybody's there. Like everybody was in town who was like a big name it felt like at least yeah and you've got like huge huge headliners who are like doing small theater shows because yeah you know the big theaters are taken by the dave chappelle's the rob schneider's the bill burr when saw yeah, him yeah. bill burr and, and you know burt kreischer and, and then they would all come watch our show at the end of the night because we were the last show every night and uh, it was a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, when you're staring at Dave Chappelle and he's looking at you like, all right, say something funny. Or you guys do, you know, do or say something funny. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, I hope this doesn't bomb. Yeah, we had, well, I think on the, the final couple nights of the weekend, we had cast members from Silicon Valley, Saturday Night Live, the new X-Men movie. It was crazy. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, uh, he was like sitting <laughs> in the second row. It was nuts. Aaron Rodgers. We actually got a little <laughs> a little bit of whipped cream or something on, on Fassbender. <laughs> sure, that's not the only white stuff he saw that weekend. Hey-oh. You know, you've got like, you know, Moses came up to me before the last night. He said, dude, Aaron Rodgers is going to be sitting by your table. Give him some give him some grief. And it's like, right. I bombed in front of Aaron Rodgers. But, <laughs> you know, that's the thing you do. I mean, our characters are very similar. I, it's high risk, high reward. And yeah. sometimes no reward. <laughs> my, I think one of our favorite, my favorite things that Earl and I do at Roast Battle every week is we'll look over. We're directly across from from each other. And if we both know that we just bombed on something, it's one of the funniest things. <laughs> well, I mean, because it, it, especially in the belly room, if you, if you bomb in the belly room, it's just awful. Yeah. Well, it's so intimate in there that yeah. you just feel it. There's nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. It's a lyric from the Desmond Child song off the Warrior soundtrack. Pick it up on Amazon. Uh, you can get new and used copies starting at $20. But, you know, because it's standing room only in there. Yeah. But when a joke hits, it's great. Like when you guys did the uh, the pillowcases and the cotton and, and Haiti probably thought he was back in Africa. <laughs> you know, it was like killing. So, you know, come see Roast Battle. If you haven't seen it, I know I talk a lot of a lot on the show you know, to see Jeremiah and the Negro wave and, and the celebrity judges and just the most cutting jokes. Uh, it's not for uh, the week. Yeah, it gets brutal. It's, I mean, you know, and it, then and then on top of that, whenever it's a brutal joke, <laughs> we heighten it by going crazy yeah. on stage. I mean, dead brother jokes. Uh, yeah. Retarded sisters, uh, balding fat. Um, you know, Kenny Lyons, who, who uh, making fun of people who used to be suicidal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this one comic, Kenny Lyons, was molested by his brother, and the, and his guy he was roasting was making jokes about it. I mean, it, it's really, uh, it's not the Dean Martin roast I grew up with. I, I'll tell you that much. You know, where Sammy Davis uh, 
or Don Rickles looked down at Sammy Davis and said, you're either black or you fell in a bucket of M&Ms. That would be like the tamest joke at Roast Battle. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, but it's a great, I tell you, I've done comedy for 16 years. I've never seen a show last this long that's this crowded, you know, uh, every I agree. week. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, like, even when it's an off week crowd-wise, it's still packed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, big things coming for all of us or some of us. I mean, I know how this show works. You know, the week get left behind. Uh, but Sundance Film Festival coming up. The great Jason Reitman leading the charge and then L.A. Riot Fest. Uh, coming soon details. I mean, I've only been on the show for two years. I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I always feel. Earl and I are always asking each other, "Did you hear? Did you hear about this?" Because nobody said anything to me. I think people just assume that we know because we're there every week. Well, I think that's what someone told us at the comedy store the other night. Yeah. Like, oh, just people. You guys are such stalwarts on the show. Uh, you must know everything. Guess what? We know nothing. But you know, we still love the show. I mean, I've wanted to quit the show several times because I just can't take this craziness behind the scenes. And uh, you know, right. then. You know, the next week, it's like the most amazing show. And you're like, all right, I'll stay on. Yeah, so. that's how it goes. Dude, it's it's hard. To, yeah, it's hard to come up with the new stuff, too, for the way. you guys bring in props, new props every week. It's not like you just have like four props and you rotate them in. You guys, like last week, brought a fucking truck tire. <laughs> I was pretty proud of the stuff I brought in last week. A tire, a giant pillow to rip apart to do a pillow fight. Random stuff from uh, I get a lot of stuff from the ninety nine cent store. Oh yeah, why? Well, I mean, I'm I'm still three grand in the hole from New York. I mean, uh, <laughs> this sh- I'd have to get points on the back end to make up for what this show's cost me. I mean, I brought three black bobbleheads, uh, you know, two Adidas shoes that had a gorilla on them. Uh, I, I won't. Never mind. I'll just leave it at that. I think you can go where that joke went, and uh, you know. So, but it's a great show. But it, I think it's fun for both of us because it's so out of our characters to be involved in such a wacky show. Probably more your care. I mean, you're so nice and you know happy, and I mean that as a compliment. You know, I would say Rose Bell might fit my personality a little more because I don't need any more friends in my life. <laughs> If you're not a friend of mine, it means I didn't want you in the first place. Yeah. I literally asked Earl over. I was having like a small like birthday get together. And I texted Earl. I was like, hey, man, I have a few people over. Yeah. You know, it's like from this time to this time. You want to come over? He's like, is there any gash there? I was like, oh, no. Dick City. He's like, see you later. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, you know, the last thing I want to do is I love you, dude. You're one of my favorite people in comedy, but last thing I want to do is hang out with a bunch of knuckle draggers, uh, palming, talking about the open mic they just bombed at in Silver Lake. You know, no thanks. Been there, done it, bombed be- 10 years before you did there, buddy. So suck it. Now, if there's some tuna there, I might come in on the sly because I got this cologne that drives chicks crazy. What's the name of the, your cologne? Can't give it away. All Can't right. Give it away. Okay. Then every potlucker you know will be scrubbing. <laughs> They'll smell the same way. They'll be scrubbing their pennies together to go to Ben at Barney's and say, what does Skakel get? Guess what? You could save up for 10 years and not afford it. So don't worry about it. 
Keep smelling like shit. And then I just slide in. All right, let's get back to your comment. We find out later it's Drakkar. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Dolce & Gabbana. It's Nautica. And then, yeah, go to Bloomingdale's and pick up the travel size of Nautica, you greasy palmers. If that is a ship on it, buy it. Yeah, if it's got some good-looking fag in a yacht outfit, just take care of it. That might be the first time I've ever said the F word on this podcast. Sorry, guys. I live in West Hollywood, so don't worry about it. All right. Now, let's get into your stand-up. Now, you recently had a great set showcasing for the Comedy Store. Uh, you know, is that like your number one, uh, not number one dream, but, uh, you know, for some reason, the Comedy Store, it, like there's great clubs out here. Improv, yeah. Laugh Factory, yeah. Ice House, Hermosa Magic Club, which is like unbelievable to play uh but for some reason the comedy store is like i don't know it just seems like that's where everyone wants to be at i'm drawn to it for sure it does have an energy yeah you it know. has an energy unlike any other club i've played definitely and i don't know what it is i've been coming there for i had to quit uh i went there in 2000 originally and i i saw brody stevens make someone cry at the open mic and uh, looking back now, it was pretty funny what he said. But back then, I was like, uh, uh, maybe this place isn't for me. And, you know, basically some open mic or bombed for five minutes, which is fine. I mean, you know, potluck, that's a rough crowd. And uh, Brody's like, where are you from? And the guy's like, uh, San Diego. He's like, well, that drive just got a lot longer. It's <laughs> like, uh, maybe this place isn't for me. But then about 09, I started coming back. It was like, wow, this place is, I got to get in here. Yeah, I started going there in the summer of 2011, and I haven't, I haven't, other than being out of town, I haven't missed a, a week since. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I go, yeah, I for years I went almost every single night, and then I got you know a little bit busier with shows and stuff over the years, but I still try to go there multiple times a week because yeah, it's my favorite club. Well, you're smart because like a lot of comics, they just don't go anywhere but there. Yeah, well, what was, you, you know, this is this is where my optimism, the half glass full kind of thing comes into. So I showcased at the, at the comedy store last year as well uh, with Earl, Candace, Sandro, and Kyle Ray. And Earl and Candace got passed, which I was super happy for them. Uh, but, you know, it's always one of those things where y you hope to, to get passed. But I, I could have taken it negatively, but the way I looked at it was... I just got to work harder and I got to go more places. So the, in this last year, I've really, I took, you know, a couple eggs out of that basket and I started doing more alt mics and alt shows and stuff like that. And people have told me that they've taken a notice that I've been going more places and it's, I feel like it has bettered. It's made me a better comedian. And I recently showcased again at the store. I felt amazing about the set that I did and I didn't get past again. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, I'm going to take a few, even a few more eggs out of that basket and even go even more places and work even harder and, you know, eventually get it. But it's a matter of time for you. I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, I'm not sure what, what goes on to getting past there. Like, you know, what people look for, but, uh, you had a great set. So, you know, it, it's, you know, I mean, I w was up there, ba been doing comedy for basically 15 years. And not to say it takes 15 years to get past there, but I mean, I understand the 
you know, the frustration or whatever, uh, disappointment for sure. Uh, but it's, it really is a matter of time for you. And that's, you know, you've got the right mindset. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, I mean, you can get bitter or whatever, but it's, it's just one of those things. And uh, who, uh, so our buddy Sandra Yokolano, he got past this round. It's not like I, uh, somebody got passed over me that I'm like, Oh, this person isn't funny. Sandra's hilarious. It's not like, and like with you and Candace, you guys are hilarious. I love all you guys. So it's not like coming from a place where it's like, Oh, why are these unfunny people getting passed over me. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, all right. I'll, it's not my turn yet. I mean, that was my feeling with Tommy at the end. I was like, you know, I would do shows with like people he was either about to pass or had already passed. And it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, what's going on? I mean, what does it take to get passed up here? Like, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I know nothing against Tommy. I mean, I wouldn't say we're friends, but like, I guess we're on better, uh, brainwave than we were a couple of weeks ago uh and you know i mean i will say this about adam that i think he's a little more straightforward like which i appreciate yeah i mean like you know tommy would like with me would encourage me to keep performing and i know he never was going to pass me so it's just you know, there's a little bit more mind games for sure. But I just think that's so unnecessary. Yeah. But you were in with him. So I don't like, it, it was interesting. Uh, I mean, he, he, Tommy was, uh, he was very good to me. He gave me a lot of stage time and, and, but I mean, he still played the mind games with me just as much as he did other people where, you know, I would be, just like a lot of people be waiting around all night to go up. And then I'd, I'd look on the list and my name's not even on it after we've already <laughs> talked. <laughs> And then, you know, I eventually I would just walk up to his office and be like, hey, man, uh, you told me I was on the list. I'm not. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, go after so-and-so. I'm like, all right. And I go up around 145 or after two, <laughs> depending on <laughs> where I was. But yeah, I did. I mean, I did late night there for about two and a half years straight because uh, he specifically wanted me to do that. And it made me a better comic. It, it sucked. But I mean... I mean, you, you did, you've done late night for years as well. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, but I wasn't really doing stand up. Uh, the thing, I mean, I would do the late night thing with Don Barris, which I love. I mm -hmm. mean, Don's like the, the legend of late night there. I mean, I don't think there's another comic in the world who could, Oh yeah. Uh, capture the late night essence and keep it going. Um, like Don, uh, but you know, I was doing like the, the band thing with him and right. Uh, you know, yeah, you saw you saw me go up a lot <laughs> doing stand up late night, and after Don would do the craziest stuff, and then I'd be like, "All right, let me do my five minutes," yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> if you've never been in the OR late night, uh, I've seen every A room comic in the world bomb there. I mean, and I'm I'm talking the name of the names because uh, it's a dark room. Uh, yeah, and you're especially when you're like me and Jeremiah, like. Uh, I don't know, you know, not undiscovered, but like, uh, you know, uh, unheralded uh, at, at the moment, you know, a couple of years ago, both of us, you know, you're following some guy who whipped his dick out, you know, yeah. and that's usually me, <laughs> to be honest. Earl does a spot on Buffalo Bill impression, if you've never seen it. Oh, wait, is she a great big fat person? <laughs> that's my number one goal. Uh, 
I have a new thing on this podcast where after the hundredth episode, I want to get celebrities on and interview them as their most famous character the whole time. Like I want to get Ted Levine who played Buffalo Bill and he, this is my, this is where you would go. I know I could get him if I just asked me. I'm like, ah, he'd never come on this show <laughs> and interview him the whole time as Buffalo Bill. I think he would do it. I, it's crazy enough. You know, it's cra- yeah. You know, you have a podcast that I love doing. I really had a fun time on it. And you're a great host. Uh, I, you know, and then I want to get Christian Bale. You know, now that might be a, a tough get, but if you want I, you want him to do the whole Batman? No, 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 even better. Because to me, Christian Bale's were the, maybe the best American actor, Psycho. But, yeah, I yeah. want him to do the whole thing as Patrick Bateman. All right. So, Mr. Bateman, thanks for coming on Inappropriate Earl. Uh, what's up? I work at Pierce and Pierce. I use an oxygen mask with little to no alcohol, just the whole time. So, you know, but that's after episode 100. I got six more to go. So I got, I got some time back to you. So what, what I like what you've done with your comedy career is a lot of comics I saw and see to this day who want to get into the comedy store, uh, but, but you know, varying degrees of success, you know, you went out and created your own stuff, which is making yeah. you more marketable to the comedy store. Yeah which a lot of people should do. It's, it's something that I didn't do, to be honest with you. Like, you've got the goddamn Comedy Jam. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, the goddamn Comedy Jam, if you're not familiar with that show, it's uh, hosted and created by my buddy Josh Adam Myers. And comedians, they'll do a set, then they tell a story, and then they uh, will sing a song with a live band behind them and, and uh, do that. And it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, you get to see comedians be rock stars. That's that's like the whole that's the whole thing with it. It's like every comedian's dream to be a musician. A lot of times, like musicians, it's weird. Musicians want to be comedians a lot of times, and comedians want to be musicians. That happens quite a bit. But with that show, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I play this this character on the show, Mosh Pit. And it's basically just my impression of Josh Adam Myers. <laughs> I mean, and Josh Adam Myers does an impression of Josh Adam Myers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I do, I play this roadie character on the show. I, I uh, will hype up the crowd at the beginning, get them going. And then me and Johnny Scordis, uh, he plays another roadie character, Razorblade, on the show. We'll keep it going and we'll riff with Josh between the comics. And then if it's uh, a song that calls for it, I'll play saxophone. I play alto saxophone and I'll hop in with the band and play, play sax. And we went to Montreal, like Earl said earlier in the year, and we were just at the New York comedy festival and a bunch of festivals coming up in 2016 that, that I'm excited about. Uh, I believe, I think I can say it. Uh, we're going to be at Bonnaroo. Uh, and where's that? In 2016. That's uh it's a huge music festival in, I think, Tennessee is it? I'm not okay. sure. Not 100 percent sure. But like Elton John and and Paul McCartney have played Bonnaroo and stuff like that. It's like a big music festival. Oh yeah, Elton John. Who knew oh, he yeah. was gay? I don't oh, know. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's super fun in the and uh yeah we yeah they've had most of the big names in comedy over the I've been with the show uh, I want to say nine months maybe. Maybe 
maybe eight or nine months. And before and and since I've been with the show, they've had some of the biggest names in comedy: Bill Burr, Hannibal Burris. Tonight, we're having Sarah Silverman. That's crazy. Like you have Bill Burr like singing uh, "Welcome to the Jungle." Yeah, like he plays drums uh, every time, and he'll dress up at, as different drummers, like Steven Adler and and uh, and different guys like that. And it's it's awesome. Marin played guitar, and and he sang whenever he did it, and it's awesome. It's it's super fun to see comedians really let loose and and sing because it, you, if they're good or they're bad, whatever. It's it's just. It's just a fun show. It feels like a, uh, it's as close of an energy. It's very different from roast battle, but it's as close of an energy, but in a different way, as far as high energy that I've seen, uh, to the other shows in LA. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, I mean, so that's like for all you young comics and all you old leather knackers out there, you know, create your own shit. So you don't have to rely on a club, any club, I mean, Jeremiah's got Roast Battle. He's got the goddamn Comedy Jam. You've got, you know, your music with Pat Regan. Yeah. Reagan. I don't know why I always want to call him Everybody Reagan. wants to call him Regan. It's, uh, it, and it's spelled Reagan. Yeah. I just, it's, it, tell us about that. Because Pat uh, Reagan, one of the truly, I, I don't say this a lot, he's a great comic slash musician. Uh, and you recently, st- is it a recent collaboration or? It's been within this last year. We, uh, because we're both very busy independently from each other. He does his, his music and comedy and I do my stand up uh, along with these other <laughs> shows and he and I, we just started, uh, we started collaborating, working on songs and stuff. And we have, we've now got about uh, 15 to 20 minutes worth of songs and we're, we're trying to incorporate it more and more all the time and and we've started performing at a lot of different venues basically as a comedy duo and that's just like another side project uh, that we have in the mix of things just uh, to mix it up because a lot of times people will book us on a show separate from each other and then it's almost a good excuse like oh well I haven't had I've had Pat Reagan individually and I've had Jeremiah do his stand up on the show but we haven't had Reagan and Watkins together so it's just like another way to get booked around town but you're really good on the sax thank you yeah I started off in in grade school and been playing for for years I, I kind of took a break in college where I just kind of sat in my room but yeah brought it back out to LA and just it's, it's kind of funny in this last year like my if you like if you are on my facebook or whatever or online the amount of saxophone pictures that i have and the, me with a sax with my sax in the last year it's crazy because basically somebody found wanted me to do a bit with them for my saxophone and then somebody else found out that i did sax and i just started playing on shows like midnight snack and and with pat and now i i play multiple times a week in the goddamn comedy jam so well, I must say, and this is somewhat unrelated, but uh, probably the coolest concert going uh, visual I've ever seen to this day. And I've been to like hundreds of concerts. Uh, I mean, I'm no Dean Del Rey, but I've been to hundreds of concerts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was when Springsteen and Clarence Clemens, at the end of the Thunder Road song, he, Clarence does an amazing solo, and Bruce slides across the stage and they kiss on the lips. And it, 
like anyone else does that you're like wow these guys are bone smokers but it was just that's how good of friends they were like you didn't think it was gay at all mm -hmm. and uh then i jacked off in the colonnade <laughs> so that was probably gayer than the actual kiss <laughs> do you have like a, a like clarence clements to me is like just, uh, rest in peace but god damn could that guy play uh, do you have like uh, a saxophonist like a david sanborn you look up to or is just not really i'm a big i mean i'm a big fan of of the the 80s era where they Me used too, saxophone <laughs> oh I, I know that about you Earl. <laughs> oh kiss Vinny. Vinny vincent i'll always work in a Vinny vincent uh invasion rat rats uh you know the odds of a rat touring again with the four original members are about as good as uh, scott weiland joining the new velvet revolver album Ain't happening. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't, I don't have necessarily a specific saxophone player that I look up to, but it's, it's funny they're starting to use it almost like as a throwback in some current pop songs and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, I liked how Lady Gaga, uh, who I actually kind of like, very eighties, totally ripping off. Dale Bozio of Missing Persons. Thank you very much. Uh, she used Clarence like in her video for her. What was her first big hit? It's like her big, huge hit. Uh, she put him in the video. And then uh, I think at the MTV Awards, they, they rolled Clarence out. It wasn't in the best condition at that time. I mean, they just like, let's get him in here. And then a week later, he's dead. So, yeah, you know, thank you, Clarence Clemens, for a nice career. I think he had like. He had like eight kids by nine different wives. I'm still not sure how that's possible, but, you know. Hey, he was good at using his mouth. Oh, my God. He looked oh. like he had a huge dick. I mean, <laughs> if you look at some of those Springsteen videos, look at the Born to Run uh, live uh, video, and he's wearing this all red outfit, and this like the bulge in his pants. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean. Speaking of dicks, I the, the dick pics that I've seen the most, <laughs> number one goes to Earl Skagel. Number two goes to Jamar Neighbors. Well, I've seen your guys' dick pics. <laughs> we should put his in the number one slot, but. But I mean, if I'm even close to that guy's dick, I, it's a win-win. Last night we were talking about your dick and he was just saying how big it was. So hats off to you, Earl. Well, I mean, it's not good when my dick pic is more known than my stand-up. <laughs> I mean, that's what I love about Roast Battle, getting back to that just for two seconds. I think the show had hit a lull uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, so I... Thomas Dale said, well, I want to see your dick pic. And uh, I whipped it out and showed it to the judges, including Jason Reitman, who tried to look away, but I basically <laughs> shoved, it shoved my face. phone in his face. Now, here's one of the biggest directors in Hollywood, the hottest director going right now. He's got a TV show on Hulu. Uh, thank you for not smoking. Uh, was it not, not Fargo? Juno, was it? Yeah. Uh, and his dad's a legend. I mean, his dad, my God. Yeah, Ivan Reitman, man. What a uh, thing to live up to. Your dad is Ivan Reitman, and you have to, like, live up to that. It's like, you know, I remember Wayne Gretzky had a brother who played hockey. It was like, uh, sorry, dude. Uh, but Jason's living up to it. And uh, it's very bizarre to show my dick pic to someone of that stature in the business. And he just looks at me and goes, nice dick, dude. <laughs> Hey, Jason, you want to look at my stand-up next? So there's another bridge I burned. <laughs> but hey, it's Hollywood. I do it for the laughs, just for laughs. 
I'm auditioning next year for a middle-aged faces of Montebello. <laughs> Starting to think uh, new faces might not be happening for me. <laughs> but I'm still waiting on a callback for the Kilborn show, which has been off the air since 07. So there you go. Now you also now this is another show you have going on. See, you comics out there could learn a lot from Jeremiah. Because this business will turn you bitter, angry, vengeful, hateful. Always say hello to every comic uh, at the clubs you're at because you never know who's going to lose it. You know, forget about ISIS. Uh, the next mass shooting uh, could be happening at Sal's comedy hole. But there's no crowds there, so probably It, it wouldn't be mass. <laughs> yeah. By mass, I mean two at Dante. <laughs> Dante's shit show on Monday nights. He had a contest once. Uh, funniest comic in L.A. held in Canoga Park, which I'm not sure how that's possible. And he had a guy in the two year and under category who'd been doing comedy longer than I have, like 24 years. So welcome to Hollywood. But you've got, you've basically got your mitts in three shows, three successful shows. So all you ham and eggers out there, listen to this guy. Because out of all the guests I've had on this show, he's probably the one who's going to help elevate your own careers out of playing Marty's for five bucks a pop. Stand up on the spot. Tell us about that. Yeah, stand up on the spot is my baby. That that show I've been doing the longest. Uh, I've been I'm the host and the creator of that show. I've been doing that show for over five years now, and with that show, comics go on stage with no prepared material. They ask the audience for suggestions and then they have to create stand-up on the spot based off the audience suggestion. So it's the most pure improvised stand-up combination that there is. And I loved it. You've uh, done it a couple times. But I, the first night I did it, I was petrified uh, because it's, it's scary, man. You can't fall into your old material, uh, you know, or a joke you know that works because, you, you know, you don't know what the crowd's going to say. I think... Someone uh, yelled out mullet for me, and I'm like, I don't have one joke on mullets, so you have to like think super fast. Yeah, you literally are the the wheels start turning, and you're you're hoping that something good is going to come out of your mouth. And then then usually you got some guy trying to one up you from the crowd, and he'll give you something that like you know uh, it's like so bizarre to talk about. It's usually a friend of mine trying to sandbag me. <laughs> hey Earl. Uh, Diarrhea. <laughs> and then you have to go into a diarrhea joke while people are eating their chicken tenders. <laughs> I, I, I always tell comics that they can filter through if the suggestions aren't quite up to par. Because every once in a while, you'll get some dumb audiences that is just like diarrhea, rape, traffic. And it's like, all right, let's keep them coming, guys. Nobody wants to hear a diarrhea rape joke right now. Well, I've got seven of them. So <laughs> if that was the, uh, you know, a topic and you'll hear some of them at LA riot fest <laughs> when I'm roasting Olivia grace. Oh yeah. Uh, but that's another uh, topic, you know? Uh, but yeah, what's hard about the, the show too, is there's, you don't have a built in closer that go-to bit that you know is going to do well to get you off the stage. So a lot of times comedians aren't used to that. So they'll keep wanting to ask for suggestions and eventually they're like, all right, that's, I guess that's my time. But the people who I usually book on the show, I try to book 
people who I've seen a lot and I, that I really enjoy watching their comedy uh, because I feel like it's kind of representing what I like and, and you know I'm trying to put out as good a show as possible so it's people usually do really well like surprisingly well with the topics that they're given I mean I would say it's my favorite show to do and along with Troy Conrad's set list uh which is have you ever done that show yeah I have. it's that's very uh not similar idea but it, it forces you to think on your feet because he, he'll just put up you know three random words on a screen that might be just literally seven letters of the alphabet yeah the 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 difference between uh our shows is uh with set list it's uh things that have never appeared on a set list before so it's uh, a lot of times uh, I would find more, a little bit more zany suggestions. Yes. You know, um, because coming from an audience, like from an audience, people yelling stuff out, the stuff that's on their head, a lot of times it's topical or pop culture or something that is in the news or just a random word. And uh, I think with set lists, it's like, uh, yeah, a little bit more zany because it's never appeared on a set list before. So it's like Nazi apocalypse or something like that. Yeah, like, or, I think, uh, I think Troy was trying to, you know, see how daddy thought on his feet and gave me like Sandusky milk bottle. Like, <laughs> and then I went into like five minutes on loads in a basement. <laughs> Bet you crushed it. I mean, no, I didn't, to be honest with you. <laughs> I had to follow Rick Overton, who's like my, like, I mean, it, it, that's the intimidating thing about this business to me is like, and I know he's a star, but like he should be like... Uh, <laughs> Like when you see the comics who are big now, it's like, why isn't Rick Overton like that big? Mm -hmm. You know, he's just amazing. So, uh, you know, that's, I love being on shows like that with someone like him or like Hannibal. Or, it pushes you to, to be better, man. You're like, uh, wow, I'm not that funny. I was on a show just uh, on on Saturday where I had to follow Harlan Williams, then Judah Friedlander. I got bumped twice <laughs> and I was like, well, those are good, good people to be bumped by. It was Harlan, then Judah, then me. Yeah. And those are two amazing comics. They're awesome. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, I used to not like following funny people. <laughs> it's tough. You know, like I, I feel like it's almost a safety net because if you do well after you follow somebody who's like big, a big name and really funny, then everybody's singing your praises. Yeah. Like, and then if you bomb, you're like, well, you know, I had to follow that, that huge name. So the, and people don't expect, they don't expect you to do well. A lot of times. I mean, I had to follow Theo Vaughn uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Venice underground. Very uh, fun show to do. Yeah. And he killed like for 15 minutes, like mm -hmm. killed. And then I, you know, I struggled a little bit, but I, you know, it was like great to like, follow someone who, who did that well and uh you know I, I mean i used to love following someone who bombed because i thought in my mind well they're gonna love me right out of the gate right but i found it's almost the opposite because they're in such a lull from someone they lose faith in the show almost yeah so you just yeah. gotta spend you know if you're doing say 10 minutes three minutes just to get them back and then another three minutes to warm up to you and then when you're starting to find a groove it's like bring up the next act suck it suck it hard but you know you've also got you're not just doing stand-up which is what i like about you you know you, you've got your fingers in all kinds of cookie jars 
Which incidentally was Mitzi's uh, nickname for Tommy, Cookie Jar. <laughs> I, I found that out recently, yeah. It's probably the creepiest thing I've ever had to see on Inappropriate Earl was Tommy doing his Mitzi impression. Cookie Jar. <laughs> like, All right, man, it's time to, we'll save the rest for part three, Tommy. I'll, I'll see you on the internet. That's what's the weirdest thing about him. He has no internet. Yeah. So, there's no social media. I'm like... Hey, you know, like you'll see in a couple minutes when we wrap up. I'm like, hey, give us your, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, uh, your movie we'll talk about in a second. What's that website? I'm like, Tommy, uh, give us your social media, uh, you know, sites. He's like, can I give out my phone number? I'm like, what? You're like, huh? You're going to get a lot of phone calls. A lot if you of do phone that. calls from a lot of bitter, bitter people. But uh, you also were recently in a movie. Yeah. Betting on Baker. Yeah, that's uh, that that's actually going to come out in 2016. And where can people uh, like Netflix or theaters? We don't know yet. They uh, it they're they're talking to uh, they they're in talks right now of where it's going to go. So that one hasn't come out yet, but uh, that was directed by Ryan Ederer, produced by uh, Reza Riazzi. Uh, and, uh, who? Mike Piazza directed it? <laughs> Reza Riazzi, oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the baseball. Mike Piazza, what the? What the fuck? <laughs> and Yasser Lester, our buddy, uh, is actually Yasser. in that. Yeah, he's so in funny. it too. Uh, he's one of the, the... It's me Me and a couple other guys are friends of, of this, this dude who... Basically, the the premise of the movie is this guy has to sleep with all the the girls he grew up with, grades one through twelve, in like in one summer. Otherwise, he loses dad's company, loses the deed to his house, all this stuff. And it's like a it's like so they're betting on Baker to that he can pour all these girls. They're probably all cunts and they'll cheat on him, but you know that's the part too. Yeah. Betting on Baker too, cons. But you you'll appreciate this because um, this was actually uh, I know you're uh, good buddies with uh Roddy. Um, this yeah. is uh Roddy Roddy Piper's last film that he did. Well, if I can give you a uh, advice on how to market a film, uh, I don't care how small his part was. Put his name first in the credits and the biggest block letters on the billboards. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's literally in one scene. Doesn't uh, matter. Make yeah. it seem like he's in every scene. You <laughs> yeah. want to move product? Yeah. <laughs> you don't think I pumped that podcast he did out of an inappropriate or made it seem like I just recorded it. Welcome to Hollywood. Roddy would appreciate it. Yeah. I had two podcast guests die, so they die in threes. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, him, Jake the Snake is in it. I know Great, you're. Uh, I know you're a big wrestling fan. Tommy Dreamer makes a cameo in it. Tommy Dreamer from ECW, from ECW, hardcore uh, legend uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, who's uh, now doing DDP yoga, mm -hmm. getting getting back in the game. He hit a rough patch there. I'm talking Patch Adams. I mean, he was. <laughs> There's a great documentary, even if you, because you're not like a huge wrestling fan. No, uh, but you know, like the I big enjoy. Names. Yeah, I know, I know the big names, stuff like that. I used to, uh, I used to play all the the wrestling game, the video games growing yeah, up. You're crazy. Like yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I just bought uh, WWE, whatever it's called, 2016 uh, for uh, Xbox, and it's so realistic that 50 of the wrestlers died within the first five minutes of me turning the game on. <laughs> I mean, wrestlers die. It's I mean, Rowdy oh, yeah. lived to 61, uh, which in wrestling years is like living to 400, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because they live the life of comics. 
but with working out, you know, the, the incredible physical punishment. We take more mental punishment. Like, you know, uh, they take more physical punishment. And they, yeah. You know, there's this... You look I, up, I have a I have a good mix with me, mental and physical. Well, you <laughs> that, do physical comedy. I, yeah, I do a lot of physical comedy, so yeah. But, you know, wrestlers, uh, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. If you Whole Google level. Uh, wrestlers who died before 50, literally put that in. It's There's like 200 names. Wow. And probably 70 of them, you're like, oh my God, he's dead. Or she, a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Chris Benoit died, killed his whole family. And uh, to show you that there's a silver lining in everything, at least we know his finishing move worked. But uh, <laughs> I mean, where was the kids tag team partner? Jesus Christ. Oh, see, that's what you call working in uh, a bit into that you fucking ham and eggers out there could learn a lot. You could learn a thing or two from you could learn Earl Skakel. Working it in. Just working it in, not being obvious about it. See, I acted like I cared what Jeremiah was getting into, and then I worked <laughs> it in. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Now, but you uh, recently was in the, uh, was in the, uh, were in the, sorry, I went to USC, uh, the Big Sky Comedy Festival. Yeah. And that's a big deal. I mean, it's like one of the bigger, if not the biggest uh uh, American comedy festival. Yeah, it's uh I actually didn't realize how big it was until I was there kind of thing because I got in I was like, "Oh, this is cool." And I knew a bunch of the the people uh that got into it, so and I was like, "All right, yeah, these are all good names, whatever." But whenever I got there, that's whenever they they really told us who all the industry that was there and they had a lot of of industry uh, that they told us uh, on the first day they had uh, VPs of casting from NBC and CBS they had uh, Richard uh, the booker from uh, the comedy magic club that was there Uh, Charlie from South by Southwest he's like the head of the comedy there Uh, they had the tonight show booker they had the Conan booker and uh, they had like commercial agents and uh, some other, uh, a couple other uh, people that I'm probably leaving out. But yeah, anyway, there's a lot of industry that was there. There was like good, legit industry. And uh, it was cool. It was awesome experience. And you finished second, right? I got second. Yeah. It's a big deal. I was really happy about that, man, because uh, it's interesting with, because I do the, the only, the only negative thing, I don't know if negative is the right word. The only thing that is sometimes hindering about having your hands in so many jars is sometimes people don't know what to label you as. So by me doing all these cool shows, it's been great to get my name out there in general. But a lot of times people don't know that I'm good at stand up specifically because with roast battle, you know, like you and I, like a lot of those audiences never see us do stand up before the show. Yeah, They're just seeing us do that. And the same with like the comedy jam and even stand up on the spot. Those are all different forms of comedy, but they're not pure stand up. So I was, it meant a lot to me that I got second in this particular thing this year because it was, you know, kind of like a, uh, like a merit, like kind of like a badge to show like, Oh no, this is me doing my thing for stand up. So I kind of felt like I had something to prove at that festival. And I was super happy. That I got second. Oh yeah. I mean that, that's a problem uh, with, doing so many of these shows that aren't like necessarily stand up based is uh 
I remember uh, when I auditioned once for Montreal and uh, Delia came up to me afterwards and said, dude, I didn't even know you did stand up. <laughs> right? It's like, Oh man, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> 12 years in the game. I got the biggest comic in the world telling me he doesn't even know I do it. Like doing, thank you for that kick in the nuts, Chris. <laughs> But he meant it in a complimentary way. Right. But, you know, right. Listen, when he talks to me, I, I listen. You want to see palming. I love how you live a street down from Palm Avenue. I know. That's the greatest <laughs> thing. I laughed so hard whenever I was in my GPS. I was like, of course Earl lives a street down from Palm Avenue. I'm in between Palm and Hancock, <laughs> which it, literally the next street to, over is got the word cock in it and i live in west hollywood so welcome to my neighborhood i have to give directions from like the gay billboards in this area like that's how i tell people where drive to past the condom billboard yeah and, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah make a left at the grinder uh you know billboard and i'm in between the uh underwear two gay underwear store ads and, uh, you know, once you drive by Hamburger Habit, uh, and that's the place that has the sign, we squeeze it every day. The orange juice, that is. <laughs> They've got some great signs in this neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Know? Like Barney's Beanery used to have a sign. It's crazy. Uh, that said, well, you, as soon as you walked in, it said, no fags allowed. Wow. It's great. I mean, it's like unbelievable. So it's almost as unbelievable as having the... Uh, a restaurant named Sambo's still in operation, but there's a Sambo's in Santa Barbara. I did not know that. <laughs> I mean, that say, the word Sambo, let's just say this, is not a, uh, it's not a good word if you're of the African-American race. And the fact that they have an operating restaurant, I mean, and no, I am not part owner. I'm, I'm full-time owner. Now, I'm, before... Uh, I just own stock in the company. Yeah, yeah, I just own 70%. I'm voting for Trump. He'll yeah. keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Get what, rid of the beaners. <laughs> well, yeah. What, what, one other thing I'll say about Big Sky Comedy Festival, if you are a comedian who's listening to this, I would definitely uh, definitely apply for that festival because I've done, with all the, the shows that I'm involved in, uh, I definitely got a lot of attention from this festival in particular, just more getting on people's radars, uh, like the casting people and stuff like that. They had no idea I existed at NBC and CBS because, uh, I haven't had like great, uh, agents or managers, uh, over the years, uh, who've really like put me in touch with that. So they're like, it's kind of like NBC told me, they're like, it's kind of ironic that you had to come to Montana for us to find out who you are when you live in Los Angeles, I was like, yep, that's just <laughs> know, that's how it goes. Thing. I mean, like we have to go to Montreal to get in front of industry or yeah. New York. And we're in the, yeah. And we're in, we're, in, we're the, in LA. We're in Hollywood. Yeah. Like we're like, it's like living next door to Dodger stadium, but you got to go to Kansas city to see the Dodgers play. I mean, it, it makes no, it's, it's insane. This business is driving me nuts. Literally nuts. I'm becoming a jar of planters. Now, uh, I was kicked out of the Groundlings. Thank you very much, Sean Hogan. Don't get mad at me because Hollywood didn't call you. <laughs> it's not like I'm the head of Hollywood and said, let's keep Sean Hogan out of it. Uh, but you also trained at the Groundlings. Yeah, I've done, the, I've done the, the first couple levels there, which basically I can take the writing lab class, but I keep 
this is the first time I've run into this with a, a, a true scheduling issue. Multiple times I've tried to take the writing lab class and I keep going out of, out of town for stand-up dates and they're super strict where if you miss more than one class, then you can't, uh, you base they fail you basically. So I still need to take, I haven't taken the, the upper track there because it's, it's scheduling wise. It's, it's been impossible. So, uh, but as far as the, the improv schools go, like the improv that I've done around town, it's, uh, it made me better as an improviser, but it's probably, uh, my least favorite. The ground. Yeah. Because the only reason why is because they always told me that I was going too big in which to me, like that's kind of my, (laughs) that's kind of my thing. Like you're, you're telling me to, to keep in what everybody tells me is separating me from other people. So like they're like play everything to a 10, but my 10 is like a 15 on their scale. So it's, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's great. It's a great school, great establishment, blah, blah, blah for, for character work and, and all that stuff. But for me specifically, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought that I would. I mean, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, cause it made me a better, uh, not actor, but, uh, gave me better skills outside of stand up and mm-hmm. made my stand up better. But I just found at least when I was going there, uh, it, it was just being taught by a bunch of bitter improv actors who, didn't make it themselves and so this was like their way to shit on people like you know you i mean me to a degree it was like well we're gonna keep this guy down that's like yeah it's like having a stand-up school taught by comics who never made it i mean i had to uh, i had to repeat the first level and that was after i had done five or six years of improv already so that i i took that pretty hard but I, I retook it and passed the second time and then I, I passed the second level but it was kind of a wake up call which is always good whenever you're kind of you, you're checked back in line like hey you're not as as hot as you think you are or whatever it's it's, it's super humbling when, when things like that happen where you think you're farther along than you actually are and then you're like oh well i need to work a little bit harder i guess yeah yeah. i mean that's uh, but i mean i find at least with stand-up you know you follow someone like you know joey diaz or ian edwards or you know it makes you work harder because you realize wow i'm not the funniest guy out there or girl oh yeah uh but you know with the groundlings i just was like well if i'm one of the better improvers uh at least to get on the level too. I mean, it just seemed to be almost like a, a Tommy like mind melt. Well, there there's uh with groundlings it's uh and with UCB and, and some of those places, it's super political, just like the comedy store. If we were going to see shows at the groundlings and hanging out there more, you better believe that we would have an easier time of getting up through the system better. And I've heard a lot of times like your name would mysteriously move up faster on the way list and all that stuff if you put in more time so it's just kind of every every club is is kind of political in their own way you have to try to divide up your time or go all in at wherever to to see where you can further yourself along i feel like yeah oh yeah and that's you know if i can get one thing out during this podcast is don't hang your hat in one club or very true one uh got to be really like jeremiah like he's, he's literally on three shows right now he's got his own podcast where can people find that 
soundcloud.com slash the building years or the building years on iTunes. And it's a really great idea for a podcast that talks about the, you know, the struggles and then, you know, your, your life as you're building your act. And, uh, a lot of great guests on it. And a fabulous co-host named, uh, Pato Bonton. <laughs> Just skip right through his parts. I mean, <laughs> That guy's to a comedy what uh, Charlie Sheen was to safe sex. <laughs> real, real Gary Gladhander, that kid. And uh, what would you say the difference was between the, because I never took Second City, like Second City, UCB, and the Groundlings. Is there like three big improv schools? It's kind of like Nike, Adidas, and Reebok, I sure. would imagine. Yeah. And iOS is like a, is like a, I'd say like a New Balance kind of thing where it's like, uh, <laughs> They're great. A uh, pony. <laughs> or pony. Yeah. Uh, I So Groundlings is super character-based. UCB is all about the game. Uh, it's all about being clever. They don't really care as much about space work or object work or wh uh, whatever you want to call it. And Second City, it's improv through relationships and then improvising and re-improvising until you have a sketch. So that's how they come up with a lot. I like I did the conservatory program at Second City. And basically how we came up with our sketch shows, we start off with like with a suggestion and then we uh would mold it. We would improvise a scene and then we would be like, "All right, what can be funnier if we were to go and re-improvise a scene?" So you have like the beats of the scene and then you keep re-improvising and re-improvising until it's like a polished sketch, which is pretty crazy, which that's uh, originally where I started doing stand-up on the spot, um, the improvised stand-up show was at Second City. And that's kind of where uh, I got that idea was suggestions from the audience was it's purely improv. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot, yeah. And a lot of times what they would do for uh, the Second City main stage or Second City ETC or, or Torco or whatever, after they would re-improvise it over and over, there would never be a script. The only script that they would do, uh, that they would have would be is they would record it on video or with audio and then they would transcribe what they actually said. And that's the only scripts that they had, which is pretty fascinating. Oh, wow. That's way too deep for me. Probably better that I got kicked out of the groundlands. <laughs> now, I did a show last night I think it would be perfect for. Stephen Randolph's. Have you done his show? Yeah, it's a great show. Basically, what you do is uh, you as the stand-up, you do your act, and then an improv group does, a, I guess we just call a sketch based the, on your stand-up. Yeah, they improvise. Instead of using a suggestion from the audience, they use beats from your stand-up to improvise off of and riff off of. Which was fascinating for me. And me being kind of the dick that I am, I did all gay jokes. So I, I was forcing the improv groups to like mimic blowjobs in theaters and steam rooms. And, you know, I have a real sick sense of humor. If you haven't guessed already. Well, Jeremiah, you really are uh, one of the, the great young guns of comedy. And I mean that sincerely for once in my life. Oh, thanks, man. Um, regular host at Potluck. Yes. Uh, Potluck or late night? Yeah. Every once in a while. Yeah. Potluck at late night is Monday nights at the comedy store where uh, basically uh, 15 uh, comics trying to break into the comedy store uh, get to go on. And then you mm -hmm. have all the employees get to go on. And uh, if you don't know this, all the employees 
at the comedy store are comics and there's some really really funny comics and then after that the paid regulars come in and then uh after midnight it's like uh, the barn star wars i think uh, greedo gets to pop in and do a set i gotta i gotta share this story Please if, we, if, if we have time uh i gotta share that story of the time where i filled in for late night and so i'll sometimes fill in for fraser for late night and one time Fraser was out of town and Don Barris was out of town. So it's one of those rare occurrences where they're like, just host the rest of the night. <laughs> and basically this, this woman that was in the audience and this was, a this is the first, one of the first times that Earl told me after I got done hosting, he was like, dude, that was, that was one of the, the the better late nights I've seen here in a while. And I, th- I take that as high praise from Earl. He's seen many late nights. So basically, long story short. No, dude, don't. Dude, we're, no time, we're not like a sitcom here. We don't have a hard out. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how, how it started, but there's this lady that was visiting the audience that I was doing crowd work with. She was getting drunk and kind of obnoxious with the comics. And she would kind of chime in and people said, so I started kind of talking to her. I was like, just talk, you know, talk to me during whenever I'm hosting, but don't interrupt the comics that are coming up here. They're trying to work out their jokes and stuff like that. So I don't know how it came about, but I, I made a joke that she had a fat pussy, which, you know, for late night, you know, is perfect for it's the like, comics in the back. It's like a warm up joke. Yeah, exactly. So I was, just, <laughs> I was joking. She had a fat pussy and she's like, no, I don't blah, blah. And I was like, well, the only way, you know, the only way that we're going to believe you is if you get up here and show the crowd. (laughs) And she keeps like saying, uh, no. Well, she's like, well, I don't know any of you, so maybe I should. I was like, well, maybe you should. So as I'm bringing up comics in between, every time I'm going up, I'm, I'm, tra- I'm pushing her closer and closer to the edge of this. And so she ends up coming up on stage and I do a countdown. She's up on stage. She's like, am I really going to do this? I'm like, yes. I go 10, nine, eight. We do the full countdown. Three, two, one fat pussy and she she did it she pulled up she hiked up her skirt and showed the audience and Earl from the back goes oh is that the number two from Arby's oh that was Jeremiah by the way talking yeah that's my Earl impression and and so as the night goes on it keeps getting later and later and I was like well you showed us your fat pussy which it was, it it was, oh, it ended up being <laughs> really gross. We're like, you got to show the crowd your boobs. You just got to do it. And, and, and she's like, ah, oh, fine. There's a, do the countdown again. Three, two, one. <laughs> she shows her boobs. And then Earl goes, oh, did somebody order some flapjacks? Yeah. I mean, just girls, <laughs> I mean, pancake city. <laughs> So then after that, and by the way, the audience is is there is going nuts. The comics that are in the back, we're all howling, going crazy. It's stupid. The inmates are running the asylum at this point. And then, you know, I'm talking to her after I have one last comic to bring it, bring up. And I go, you know what? You've shown your, your vagina, your boobs to the audience. <laughs> the only thing left is to show your butthole to this audience. <laughs> and people in the in the back are like they like I have comics that start coming in from the back. They're like, 
he's not going to be able to get this done. There's no way. And she comes up on stage after I'm, uh, we're going back and forth, joking around stuff. And I do the countdown again. <laughs> Three, two, one, butthole. And she spread her cheeks and she showed the crowd her butthole. And Earl's like, oh, that looks better than her vagina. Probably cleaner. (laughs) And I fell to the ground immediately and started crying laughing because I could not believe what just happened. And that's just one of this was one of those examples of the weird magic nights that can go on in the original room of the comedy store where it's just madness insane and you can't even describe to people the energy that that is in there at some points yeah because it's great with you because you're so clean like cut and happy you know go lucky that someone like you would even think uh yeah i'm gonna get this girl to show her pussy and her her (laughs) nasty titties and (laughs) Her butthole, which looked like that thing the Millennium Falcon flew out of, and uh, I think Return of the Jedi. Um, you know, just but that's the magic of the comedy store, and I guess that goes back to what we spoke about in the beginning. That's why everyone wants to be in at the store because you, I mean, the improv's awesome. Oh, if you if I would have done that, if we would have done that at the improv or Life Actor, I would have got banned. You never get sure. a spot there. Again. I'd never get a spot there again. You know, if you did that in front of Richard at Hermosa to get an audience member at the Hermosa Magic Club, which is, you know, one of the top-run clubs in the world, not just the city, but just, I mean, it's, like, unbelievable. Uh, You know, Richard would, you know, (laughs) ban you from, like, ever coming into manhattan beach again um so that's you know the comedy store you'll have you'll have management that are howling and watching along <laughs> with the other audience members i've seen it so many times i mean i remember the the time and this is i think probably right before you started coming up there uh, uh ari shafir and dan madonia were having an argument about who had the biggest dick and there's a porn star in the crowd and I should say actress. I mean, stars, a loose term in that world. Uh, <laughs> that said, well, uh, why don't you guys go on stage and we'll see. And, uh, so they go on stage, take their pants off and she starts blowing them. Like, I mean, I don't know what crime was being committed, but I'm sure the the health department w- would have loved to get the chicken tenders after this was breaking out. <laughs> and uh, so, and you know, the both managers at the time who aren't there anymore, which probably this story is a good indicator as to why not, were sitting there laughing. <laughs> you know, it's just craziness at the store. Uh, but you know, you'll be in there sooner than later, and. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you're on the fast track, man. And, uh, you know, you're, uh, really should be the role model to a lot of comics who, you know, do get better or whatever. Like, you know, you don't get it once you're going to get it the next time. And in between, you're going to do five things that are making you more marketable, not just to the comedy store, but you know, to the industry and in general. So, uh, this, podcast has really more been about how you you should do things so i hope you comics listen you know like rob schneider told me and like jeremiah is doing uh make your own shit and become so good they can't deny you and in 15 years you can get past too yeah, <laughs> yeah. suck it <laughs> suck it out there
You think you guys can do a better podcast than me? Well, let me tell you what you do. You buy a couple grand worth of gear. You get Ari Manis to come over and hook up all the wires. And then you get 80s metal guests to come on your couch. You'd quit after about two episodes. So suck it. You think you can do a better job at the Negro Wave than Jeremiah? Well, I tell you what. You get a couple blacks and Mexicans. You be white. (laughs) And then you do the Negro Wave one time. You know, I would love for one time. And I know all you jackals in the back come every week to roast battle. Think, oh, that Negro Wave, that doesn't look so hard. They just use props and run around, take their shirts off. Oh, that... That haters table, they just talk shit. Well, one week I would love for uh, about eight of you, four of you take the Negro Wave section, four of you take the haters table, and you'll tap out after the fucking first joke on the undercard. Suck it. Sorry, I got too real there. <laughs> Jeremiah, where can people find you on the... I want to give out all your websites, m- movie websites, uh, jeremiahwalkins.tv. Yeah, jeremiahwalkins.tv sketches videos all that stuff uh that if you go there uh that's where you can find everything but soundcloud.com slash the building years is the podcast that earl and i were talking about earlier with justin alexio his favorite (laughs) co-host i'm on twitter and instagram at jeremiah standup and everything else is uh like on youtube.com slash jeremiah watkins bunch of stuff on my website if you are interested yeah, his website actually, uh, JeremiahWalkins.tv, is really good. I mean, it's it's uh, my uh, website uh, looked like it was something off of GeoCities, uh, <laughs> made on a CompuServe uh, with a you know fourteen point four modem. By the way, if you go to EarlSkakel.com, it's uh, some gay guy's beauty advice column. It's not mine. You know, I moved on. Are you on Instagram? Yeah, at Jeremiah Stand Up. Okay, so just everything's at Jeremiah Stand Up. And uh, Jeremiah's one of my good friends. Uh, he, he's what they call in the industry a real up and comer, <laughs> a real schwutz. That's a Jew talk for a good guy. So uh, please follow him. Go to a stand up show, Stand Up on the Spots. It was a super fun show. And it's at different clubs, right? No, uh, we're just at the comedy store. Uh, and that's at standuponthespot.com. We, uh, that's our, our new home. We'll be there for a while. And a uh, cool thing uh, that happened with that a little while ago, um, a few months ago, we got named by GQ as one of five funniest nights in America. So it was really cool. And it really is a, a fascinating show. It's like you see like Joe Rogan having to, you know, here's a guy with literally hours of material, but he has to like, like a beginning comic <laughs> think on his feet. Yeah. And like, you know, you think that people would yell out like a UFC term just to get them like, you know, from, you know, but no, it's, you know, Joe, uh, you know, I don't know. Cotton candy. Yeah. That's the best compliment to the show actually is when I have uh, guys like Joe, they'll tell me they're like, Hey man, something that I improvised on your show is one of the bits that's working in my act right now. That's the, that's the coolest thing that people can tell me. Yeah. Like I mean, Dean I, Del Rey's gotten material from it. A bunch of guys. And you've uh, gone on the road a lot with Dean, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dean's a great comic. And he's probably the guy who got me into podcasting. And uh, so if you see Dean, odds are you might see Jeremiah. Uh, I think probably one of the funnest road gigs I ever did was with you, Dean, and uh, Bronson Jones. Oh, man. That was so fun. We uh, went out to San Francisco and... Earl turned up the racist character to another degree. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, it's not hard to do when you're driving up the five. 
I mean, you know, I saw one black person in a seven hour drive and uh, he was on the way to the courthouse. We made that trip. We, we did San Francisco. We went there and we drove back the same night. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, San Fr- you, you look oh. on a map oh. and you think, uh, oh, wow, L.A., San Francisco, they're pretty close together on the map. <laughs> and it's uh, at least a seven-hour drive. Yeah, six, seven-hour drive for sure. And, uh, you know, so we drive up there, seven-hour drive. I think we got something to eat real fast, did the show, went right back. Um, but you know, we're all good for, you know, you can only do that with four friends who like each other and, and there's no way you, uh, could do that drive with people you don't like. And, uh, I mean, that's one of the fun things about doing the road to a degree is like, you, you like, you and I are good friends, but like, we don't know a lot about each other. Like, uh, you know, because we're busy doing shows and it's not like we go to the movies and play with our puds. Yeah, I mean, uh, I try to invite Earl over to my birthday. There's no there's well, no pussy there. Want me at doesn't a birthday come. party. There better, better be some, <laughs> some tuna. There, some live so, tuna. Know, last thing I want to do is, you know, you and eight comedy store employees <laughs> and, and their three buddies, you know, talking about, you know, smoking weed with, uh, you, you know, uh, Pato Bonton. In the back of Marty's, you know, I think I just jacked off and fell asleep. So, but thank you for the invite. So, guys, uh, Jeremiah Watkins, the Building Years podcast, stand up on the spot, roast battle every Tuesday night, uh, goddamn comedy jam Monday nights. Where is that? At the Lyric. Lyric Theater, which is where? Hollywood? Yeah, Hollywood on La Brea. And it's an amazing show. It really is. If you're a music fan, or a comedy fan, you get the best of both worlds, yeah. and uh, it, it's it's the band, the backing band is something we didn't get into. Are all top flight musicians? Oh yeah, they're all pros. So it's not like it's just seven comics. No, know. it's not like a jam session. Even though jam is in the name, they're like professional musicians that yeah have everything down to a T. Yeah, like you know, I I remember in Montreal joking around with the short guy with the hat. Uh, oh, Jay Golden? Jay Golden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You think you could do a rat song? And he like instantly knew the lyric, yep. like the, uh, not the lyric, but like the, the melody of it. Yeah. He's uh, an amazing uh, electric uh, violinist. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's really uh, to see A-level comics uh, performing with an A-level band and uh, great hosts and Jeremiah and Johnny Skirtis and uh, Josh Adam Myers. It's, it's, it's an amazing show. So uh, maybe one day I'll... Uh, of course, I'd be the only guy to do it and play like a Vinnie Vincent Invasion song, a song nobody in the room knew. <laughs> hey, guys, why don't you start Boys Are Gonna Rock? I'll take it from here. So uh, just Jeremiah is one of the good ones, guys, and uh, thank you for the listens. This has been refreshing after my four-hour mind melt podcast with Tommy. Uh, whew, boy, I mean, it was tough. I'd rather watch that Jay Mandia movie again. Uh Boy, if you haven't seen that movie, go on YouTube and watch the Hollywood Shuffle. If you don't do drugs, you'll feel like you did after that movie. But I will give Jay Mandium this. He made his own feature film. Let me tell you something right now. You know, he made his own feature film, and this was not a cheap film to do. No. I don't no. know how much it cost. But he got it, some major funds together to make this. I would say I'm guessing to do a self uh, film. It pro- I'm guessing anywhere from twenty five to fifty grand. I might even say more than that, but who uh, knows? I mean, uh, it seemed like a lot of uh, the actors were family members, right? Right, true. true, uh, true, true. But they had different locations, and it was basically based on the Hollywood Shuffle, which is a 
movie by Robert Townsend, and it's a great story behind it. He financed it on six of his credit cards, and he had some of the top comics in it, like Keenan Ivory Wayans, uh, you know, Robert Townsend, Franklin Ajay, who's like, you got to feel sorry for a guy like Franklin Ajay. Here's a guy who is an amazing comic, but he just happened to be a black comic growing up when Richard Pryor and uh, Eddie Murphy were popping. Yeah. So it was just like there was only room for two of them. But uh, check out the Hollywood Shuffle, not Bollywood Shuffle. It's the like Ali, like Muhammad Ali Shuffle. It's uh, I tell you, do some cocaine and you'll level out. Jeremiah Watkins, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me, Earl. Love you, man. Love you. This has been Inappropriate Earl on iTunes and SoundClouds. Why don't you ungrateful fucks leave a review? I mean, I got every episode gets three or 4,000 downloads. I asked for one thing from you jackals, which is to leave a review on iTunes. And, uh, you know, most of you don't do it. And uh, tweet at Gene Simmons to get on this podcast. About four of you do it. Imagine if... All thousands of you did it. Trying to make daddy some scratch. Do it. Sing it. Don't bring it. Ooh.